Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have John Epperson. Hello, everybody. Valentino Stoll. Hey, now. Luke Stutters. Hi, now. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And this week, we're going to be talking about stimulus, turbo, hotwired, all the good stuff. And I think we're mostly just going to talk about our experience using it, maybe how we've set it up or things like that. Just give people an idea of what they're looking at. I don't know necessarily that we'll go into a whole lot of depth on how it works. I think we've had people on to talk about that before, but I, I guess we'll get some of that. John, I think you probably have more experience than I do with a lot of this stuff. I mean, I've mostly just done stimulus. I haven't touched most of the other pieces of Hotwired. So I don't know. I will also admit, yeah, I, I haven't really played with Hotwired yet, mostly because I'm working on projects that I already have open at the moment mm -hmm. and they're already using stimulus and I'm very happy with it. Right. So, yeah, and then Luke, you were saying that you've done a whole bunch of stuff with Turbo, which used to be Turbo Links. Oh, so, so I produced a so hot hot wired cave stack came in, and John and also Dave were really keen on it. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, we'll write some proper JavaScript now because obviously jQuery is the best way to go, right? But fine, we'll have we'll have we'll have yeah, some. but it's not popular, so we can't use it anymore. Right, so we're going to have to oh, oh. knuckle down and learn something new, which I hate. I hate learning anything new. I just want to do the old code the old way, but fine. So I started looking at it, looking at the Hotwired site, and there's a lot of confusion between Hotwire and Hotwired because I think the website is hotwired.dev, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a huge confusion. The Turbo used to be Turbo Links. Now it's just Turbo. There's a lot of there's a lot of namespace collisions happening, but stimulus is out of the same. So stimulus really easy. I can get on board with that. Really great. And just to be a bit different, I don't use stimulus through any kind of JavaScript package builder like Webpack or anything. I use stimulus with a thing called claustrophobic, which lets you pull in. UMDs in JavaScript without any kind of tooling. So if you load through a thing called claustrophobic, you can pull in, you know, stimulus, etc., on a totally naked buildless setup. And once I got that working, then I implemented my own turbo backend. So I didn't have to use Rails, I could just use kind of micro frameworks instead. And I produced a little demo, which I call my Sinatra Turbo Stimulus demo, just as like, what does that stack look like without any of the extra bits you get from Rails, like the absolute bare metal, how does it work? And yeah, I was, poof, I was blown away, actually. It's, in, it's incredibly clean. I don't need to learn anything else once you get the hang of putting new style JavaScript in through the claustrophobic system. I don't have to learn Webpacker or keep it in my head or anything else. And uh, you're coding, coding like it's kind of 2002 again, really enjoying it. You know, you just put the words on the screen, words go on a page, really great. Nice. So so where do we start with uh, all this stuff? I mean, I was going to say, can somebody break this down for me? What is Hotwire? Yeah. What is Turbo? It's how, a how are they all different? How do they work together? It's a rebrand of what was already in Rails, right? It's what it is. It's marketing. It's a rebrand. I kind of. I, I mean, yes. Uh, right, right. Like so. Okay. So the major pieces of Hotwire, right, are WebSockets plus Stimulus plus, I guess, Turbo instead of Turbo Links, right? Like, 
and then plus like sort of in kind of an equivalent to stimulus reflux right so i feel like i feel like those are the four major pieces that i'm seeing and i don't always remember the names off of my head off the top of my head for all of them but those are i believe the four pieces of hotwired all right i probably should just i'll just go confirm this while i'm talking to make sure <laughs> but i'm pretty sure from memory this all came out um, of the of the app wars and dhh's hey app didn't it this is where all this kind of marketing stuff renaming came out when he released the hey email app am i right i don't know about that i think i think some of this was coming beforehand this to me feels a lot like a lot of things that dhh comes out with right which are that he something's kind of going on in the community and it seems like he experiments with it plays with it for a while and then he's like this is what i think is the right way and he comes out with this thing and sometimes people like it and sometimes people don't, right? Like not everything he's made has always been like well-received, but usually the things that he makes are like, are consistent. Like they're internally consistent. If you use DHH's stuff with Rails, it mostly just works most of the time. And so you can kind of, it, there's some amount of, I don't know, quality, I guess, that you're like, there's a certain level of quality that you're getting by picking this stuff up. That doesn't mean that it's going to supersede and replace all the things that people were using beforehand. But the tendency in the Rails community, based on my experience, is that we sort of tend to move towards the Rails over time, right? So Yes, when Active Storage first came out, we were all just like, don't worry about it. I'm still using, I guess we, we had, I think Paperclip's already deprecated at that point, but but we were all using whatever it was, Carrier Wave, Fog. or like I was trying to get everyone to use Refile at the time because I thought that was super cool that, yeah, whatever. And, but now I'm using Active Storage, right? Like it just happened. And I feel like that's the same story with like everything. It's like for a while, we kind of stick with our old tools, but we have a tendency to move towards real tools. So I feel like we will probably all be on hardware in a few years. Don't worry about it. It's we're all going to conform. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I will admit, like on active storage, I, I still tend to pull in like carrier wave or what have you. But I eventually, yeah, I was using uh, sidekick or rescue or something. And I eventually just put active job in and realized that it was a whole lot nicer for me to use. And so I'm starting to lean that way toward like active storage and some of these others is is like, oh, well, yeah. So just to clarify, because I'm a little confused on this particular topic, but does, is this an alternative to using like Webpacker and a separate front end? No, not at all. No, 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 no. no. That's just no. something really strange that I've done because you can. So Wait, this replaces Luke did something really idea. strange? Right. No, no. This is a competitor to using React, yeah. basically, right, or or Angular or something like that. It's that's probably a closer, yeah, uh, a closer thing. It's not even, but even that isn't quite right. If that makes sense, right? So the way that you package this up and deliver it is separate from using Hotwired, right? So mm -hmm. you could, like DHH is suggesting, use import maps in Rails seven, for example, right? You can. You can actually, well, I don't know if you can do this with Hotwired, but I know that you can deliver stimulus over sprockets. Don't do it. It's absolute pain in the butt. But the, the place that I am currently doing most of my work for is we just upgraded to Rails 5. So we, yeah, anyway, it's a thing. We're delivering it over sprockets. That's what we're doing, right? So you can do some, okay, you can also pull it down from CDN, right? So you can do it completely raw or you can do what Luke said, 
pull it down over like a simpler tool like Clusterphobic, or you can pack in a Webpack and just put it in one of your packs. The way that you deliver it is agnostic from yeah. Stimulus itself and and I believe the entire Hotwired stack. Yeah, my experience with it has the, been, yeah, I just used it through Webpacker. And then um, what we're talking about here is it has an approach that's kind of, I think of it as kind of a level up from jQuery. So jQuery would say, I have this DOM element and I'm going to attach all these events to it. And Stimulus kind of does that. So you could kind of sprinkle jQuery in where you needed it, right? You just said, I care about interactions over here and I don't care about interactions anywhere else except for over here when I hook something up to it. And so Stimulus does the same thing with the Stimulus controller, but it it will interact with or watch or whatever you tell it to all of the elements inside as well or certain elements inside and and manage the interactions there where i see things like jquery or angular they tend to want to take over the entire dom right because they're using shadow dom and they're doing all this fancy stuff in order to manage changes and keep it all happy and so that's that's been the main draw for me with stimulus is that i can write rails views in fact i had a a, a debate with another former coworker of mine when i was at morgan stanley And we had brought in React for certain parts of the app and we were using Stimulus and other parts of the app. And we were talking about, hey, why aren't we just using one or the other, right? And so he was an advocate for React. And he's like, React does all these things for you. And Stimulus doesn't do any of these things for you, right? And he kept making the point that, you know, so React is fully featured, so we should use it. And I turned around and I said, yeah, but Rails does all of those things for you and more, right? And the point is, is that I can server render with Rails all of my stuff. And then where I need the JavaScript-based interactivity, then I just drop stimulus on it, right? And I say, okay, uh, when I click here, do this, right, in JavaScript. Or when, when this changes, do this. So you have a pretty finite set of events that you're watching that are pretty common, and you just you just make it work. And so the thing that's nice about it is then all of the other features that people are using React for or Angular for, I just use Rails for, and then I just kind of add the rest of it in. You bring in TurboLink so that you get the faster partial page reloads, or not TurboLinks, Turbo, sorry. You bring in some of these other fe- features and, and pieces so that you get whatever other features you need. But you kind of can pick and choose the pieces of hot wire you want in the app. And that's that's been the real draw for me is just that, you know what, I don't have to go and learn React in order to get uh, an interactive experience in my app. I can just bring in Stimulus and say, look, if you're within this thing, attach a Stimulus controller to it and then just do the interactions that I tell you I care about. And that's it. And so it, it keeps the, the stack pretty small. But yeah, to John's point, it's just another library at that point. So then you just bring it in through Webpack or what have you, and it just it just runs. Just to add a little bit to what Chuck is saying for to, to make sure that we're addressing the question directly, the way that I see it, and I think what Chuck is saying is that he's agreeing with this, right? Like stimulus itself, separate from Hotwired, is more or less giving you an alternative to React mm-hmm. and Angular and all yeah. those other frameworks. It is a different architecture, like a way of thinking about building your applications, right? It's returning us more towards the reactive thing versus React and Angular. And most of these fronts and frameworks are, the way that I see it is they they need so much state, right? Like the, the way that they work, right, is they're like, look, we're tracking your state on the page mm-hmm. and all this stuff, right? So 
it results in sort of like this black hole that's constantly pulling in more and more stuff. And it's sort of competing with your backend app for your time and your attention and your need to care for it. And stimulus doesn't need that because stimulus is just, it's literally just reactive, right? It's literally just going back to the place where we were in jQuery, which is like, this event happens on the page and I want it to happen here. The difference and why like we care about this and we're not, because you'd be like, okay, well, I don't want to go back to jQuery. jQuery sucked, which is kind of true in some <laughs> respects, right? It's, it's definitely um, true. But Well, it worked. It, it did it when, anyway. Yeah, well, the things that we hated about jQuery, right? The, the arguments that I remember when we started graduating from jQuery to all these front ends, right? <laughs> was I have to write all this boilerplate code and I do the same mm-hmm. thing on every page and I have to keep writing the same code over and over again. Wouldn't it be awesome if I could refactor that, right? And, and have like these little widgets that I can take from, you know, write once and take it from here and have it work over here and things like this, right? And the idea was I could dry up my code. Stimulus does that without requiring me to have the immense overhead that comes with running all, all these frameworks. Because the way that these frameworks deliver that to you is, like I said, they change, they completely change the paradigm on the page to being one of their tracking state and all of this stuff, right? Rather than being reactive to things. So the way the stimulus works, it says, you know what? Your DOM is your state mm-hmm. and it has always been your state, right? My, I don't need to copy my state into React additionally, right? So it says my DOM is my state and and it really does work. It it works amazingly, which is why I literally like am like drooling over it all the time on the show and everywhere else. So yeah. Does does that help to at least address the question, Valentino? I'm trying to so. not not pour my opinion on uh, looking at some of the turbo examples, it, it almost looks like it's a a replacement for like server side rendered components in React or, I mean, Sunways. I, I know there's a lot yes. of other cruft, if you will, built into it with relation to like what, their streaming over websites. Is the reason that you is having to write everything twice. Yeah, you always end up running anything, everything twice in a React app. Now, if you've got a JavaScript backend, like, I don't know, Node, it's not a big deal because you never switch languages. But if you're running um, React front end, I'm going to stop you right there. Complexity, you always end up running twice. R- writing your code and using it both on the front and the back end. No, you I won't say it's a total pipe dream. Find a thing implemented once in JavaScript and another time in Ruby on the back end. Right. I'm just saying the the people who go and do Express and then React, they wind up writing it once in JavaScript and another time in JavaScript. It yeah, occasionally you can get some of your business logic to transfer, but everything else, and even then, it's not perfect. He, he wasn't knocking your main point, Luke. He was knocking an aside that you made yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, where if it's in the same language, it doesn't necessarily mean you don't have to write it twice. So are you saying, Chuck, hold on, I, I need to clarify this really quick. Are you saying that the people that do, that, that are in the JavaScript community have also come to the realization that React is this black hole that's sucking everything in off of our servers? You know, a lot of people are getting there, actually. <laughs> that's That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, the thing is, is that the, the people that I don't see getting there are typically the people who are either writing all front end or all back end in JavaScript. Ah, yes, because they're only writing one of them. That's they right. don't see the second right. Got it. So speaking of React, <laughs> can you use React or Vue or one of these other 
JS frameworks on top of Turbo, or is it specific to Stimulus? I know that you could write React with Turbo Links, yeah. and and I did, and I don't know that it was the best, but we did. I will also say that we there is some amount of competing for like load events and things like that, right? Like there's some amount of overlap there. And so you have to come up with a way to like kind of resolve that stuff. That's probably going to be custom to your app. And my understanding is that Turbo does a little bit more than TurboLinks, but I believe that Turbo is like, it has TurboLinks kind of, or it's like, I don't know. I don't remember if it was a re-architecture or not off the top of my head, but uh, it's at least in the spirit of it. So I don't know. I don't know if you have the same problems. Yeah. Some of that is going to, I'll discover the first time that I do a hotwired application. Actually, I won't because I'll just be using stimulus and it'll just be amazing. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you that stimulus. And I have no idea. It could be terrible. Are not always friends. I mean, sometimes it just works. But the problem that you run into, and I would assume that Turbo may or may not have the same problem. Turbo is kind of a bigger, like it moves bigger pieces of your DOM. And so it's, you can anyway what the the issue turns out to be in most cases is that react wants to keep track of all the changes to the dom and manage them all and so if you're making changes to your dom with something like stimulus or something else then you if react misses the change that you made then you start to have problems or if react is assuming that you made a change that you didn't make that also turns out to be a problem and so i could see that turbo coming in and kind of reconstructing a whole big piece of the dom would be less of an issue, right? Because it's a giant red flag for React to go, I got to figure out what's going on here. Whereas some of the smaller changes that I've made with Stimulus in an app that had React doing other stuff in it, it, it turned out to be weird. So so I think that's a good distinction, right? So in a React app, right? The React classes and everything, right? They are the final authoritative source for like what's going on on the page, at least from React's mm-hmm. perspective, right? Yep. Whereas... You as when you're looking at the page slash when you're using stimulus and things like that and, and a lot of other things, the, the authoritative source is the DOM itself. Yeah. So it's just a little bit different and it ends up being, yeah. I just wanted to make the distinction so that to clarify what I said earlier. Yeah. So the thing that I really like, though, about stimulus is that, yeah, you know, I just pick and choose when I need it. And one thing that I've done with it that's a little bit different than what I've seen other people do, and this is something I picked up from Jared Reed, who was a coworker of mine at Morgan Stanley and a couple of other places where I either hired him or he hired me. We've, we've done that a few times. Effectively, what he wound up doing was he extended Webpack to look at the view controllers folder for the view controllers gem. And so then what would happen is when you built a component you would just add a stimulus controller to the components folder, right? So he did the sidecar implementation where you have the component file in the main folder and then you have the HTML and CSS and everything else in in its own folder and you would just drop the stimulus component in there too and so, or controller in there too and then you would just wire up that controller to the component that it was corresponding to and it made things really, really clean because all the JavaScript interactions for the view component were encapsulated in its accompanying stimulus controller. And so if you needed to know where something was, it was just right there. It was almost it almost felt like an extension of Rails with view components. And so that's where I really started to see the power of it, because then it's like, 
oh, I, you know, I can I can connect all the dots and it, and it makes it really, really convenient. And so that's the way I've been doing things for the last while with stimulus. And I have really, really loved it that way. I came to it out of out of Vue. So I had a big, big Vue app. And like I said, you end up with the same situation. It's not as bad as React because you don't have to learn a whole new language of JSX and just put rubbish everywhere on your code base. But you still end up with this kind of hitting it twice thing. And it was quite nice to go from the Vue angle where you have a similar encapsulation to, to stimulus. So you have the idea of here's your block, you know, here's your thing, and all the code related to that thing goes into this block. So it's easy to find, but it does a lot less for you than Vue does. So you can pull in some kind of really nice pre-made components in Vue. None of that stuff exists in the stimulus framework. Actually, that's not oh. true. And I, I'll make sure to <laughs> I'll make sure to add this at the end. There are there's actually a bunch of like pre-made components. They're not like advertised on like the stimulus JS page. It's just like people in the community have made these and there's some really high quality ones or whatever. And I'll link or I'll, uh, I I'll I told you, John, I don't, I don't like learning end. things. And here you are expanding my knowledge again. I'll like, I'll, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try and, you know, never teach you anything. Um, but yeah, there's some awesome pre-built convenient components that are, that are super helpful. I myself haven't really used them raw because I've always found that I needed to extend them in some way. I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but that's just been mine so far, but it's not hard to extend them. And, and, and I, it's been really great. I think that's so pretty good. I, I definitely want to throw that there. with the other frameworks yeah. too, where you okay, pull cool. in the view components or the like view JS pre-made components and stuff like sometimes you can just use them as they come but most of the time you're customizing it one way or the other right so you pull in the mm. bootstrap or the what's the google one material, material design, design or something like that you know and then you customize it so unless you have a pre-built theme that somebody else has already put together mm. for you where you're just saying okay i want theirs instead of the originals you wind up you wind up oh i meant customizing um, them anyway yeah i meant behavior wise right yeah that's you because stimulus right one of the awesome pieces about stimulus is stimulus works regardless of your CSS, regardless of, you know, mm -hmm. your layout, because you just say data, whatever my controller is named dash target, right? Yep. You know, whatever it is. And then stimulus goes, oh, that's the thing I'm supposed to pay attention to. I don't care. Like, it doesn't care what element type it is or anything. You know, it just once you plug that real little data thing in there, it knows. So the thing is that allows you to do you can take two completely different HTML blurbs that look completely different inside and they can fit into the same controller just fine. So for example, like one of, and this Valentino is what I always thought and what I always wanted out of React, right? Like I always wanted the little widget type idea, right? Like I always wanted to be able to say, okay, this is my like collapsible widget, right? Like I feel like collapsible was like the thing that we always wanted, right? Like, sweet, I can close this thing, open this thing, right? Like, I don't care what's inside of it. I don't care if I'm using a little arrow down thing on this one or the the sideways caray on this other one, right? Like, I, I should just be able to say, this thing is what makes it collapsible. And there were some things in jQuery that kind of got us close or whatever, but there was always quirkiness to all this stuff. But in Simulus, that stuff is like smooth as butter and like, it just is. And you can go download a collapsible thing off the internet and just straight up works out of the box. You can nest them inside of each other and they work out of the box too. There's a lot of coolness to like, okay, coolness is the wrong thing here. 
the fact is it that is like coolness. this is actually delivering the thing that <laughs> that I wanted ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing I've always missed from a lot of these frameworks. Yeah, I mean, there's a a framework called Storybook that has kind of taken mm-hmm. over a lot of this responsibility for previewing contained components and being able to mm-hmm. you know modify them and extend them easily. Mm-hmm. And a lot of design teams are adopting that for their design systems. But it's definitely something like a sh- an open source shared library is definitely missing, I think, from a lot of these frameworks that's like native, right? Where you can say import from this external package and it would make that component available to you. And I feel like there's still a long way to go there. I don't, I haven't seen anything that has come close to that outside of like Bulma or something like that, where it, you kind of like, <laughs> adopting a giant UI system <laughs> to get some of those features. Did you feel like Storybook like was like super awesome? Like I, I felt like my experience with like the whole Storybook thing was that like like there was I worked on two apps that like had stuff that like we just couldn't get to work with Storybook like very well mm-hmm. or it was so difficult that we like bailed. Maybe we could have gotten into work but we ended up, you know, just choosing a different path in the end and I felt like Storybook was like it seemed like people really liked it but the two times that I like tried to make it work like it just yeah, we ended up bailing for one reason or another. One time it was me trying to implement it the other time it was somebody else. So I, I was just kind of curious. Did you do you feel like it's either a like maybe gotten better and maybe it was just terrible a while back or or terrible sorry um, or it's not as good a while back or or b like maybe maybe it's just my experience or whatever it could be your experience i mean i i personally haven't had that experience of of having trouble implementing components it's pretty abstract uh, so maybe things have changed since you last touched it but I would say it's definitely more advantageous if you are starting with a design system than trying to implement your own. Or if you're starting from scratch, it might be a little more difficult. I don't know. I, I personally, I haven't had an issue. I th- it does take some getting used to the, the kind of syntax of it, which is yeah, where that was my issue. Yeah, it was. Hey, we've got this documented. Here's what it's supposed to look like. Here's how it all kind of hangs together. And then it's like, okay. I'm going to go put this component into my app. Wait, how in the fetch do I get it into my app? And what are all these values that are magically showing up in it? You know, it's it's kind of like adopting stimulus, right? Mm -hmm. Like that stimulus has a bunch of known configurations and details that you have to know about the data targets and the lifecycle hooks. Very similarly, you know, Storybook has its own stuff that you have to be able to follow and then once you once you do it's very easy to turn stuff out i mean it's kind of like the trade-offs right like you if you're planning to dive in and make it easy for people to experiment with components and have implement them and you don't want them to have to read through a bunch of code to know how to use them storybook is a huge advantage in that way or you know other design system frameworks like that where they just offer that benefit at the disadvantage of the onboarding right of getting used to that syntax i will say that by the time storybook came out react had already gone through like a while of you know changing and stuff and i had been kind of using it like pretty much the whole time right and uh like i'd already kind of felt like a little a little bit of but i want to say it was like react like 
what like what whatever whatever the 14 i don't remember if it was like 1.14 or whatever but i think it was like the 14 upgrade where like some major like architectural choices were like really changed and like there was a lot of like arguments and everything was about like composability and things except that they were using the word very differently than everyone else uses the word and things like that so there was a lot of like baggage bit okay so summarize it all right like i already had a lot of baggage with react at this point and i think i was i I could definitely say that by the time i was at least aware of storybook i was already reevaluating whether react was really serving what i had intended it you know what i what i thought it was giving me at all and at the time for for still for a couple of years like there was nothing like stimulus didn't come out for a couple more years and i didn't really feel like any of the other frameworks offered me any other advantages i, I don't think even Vue was out at that time either. i will say so. my experience with storybook is exclusively Vue.js, so <laughs> maybe that experience is different than working with react and storybook yeah that's possible yeah, i remember i remember when i was yeah, I remember looking into Vue and, and being like, this is awesome. It's changing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then being like, nope, it's going the same way that React did. It's turning into the same thing. And so then I became jaded very quickly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, at the end of the day, right? Like, I'm not, okay. So my goal here isn't necessarily to rag on them, but to like describe like my, my state of yeah. mind, right? which is that like I bought into React because of this promise that I was going to be able to make these self-contained widgets that I could just plop all over my pages, whatever page they were, and that that was going to be super awesome, right? That was gonna, I was just going to be able to sprinkle them everywhere. And, and I found that that wasn't really true. Like there was just too much, like I always had to do too much setup, too many things. Mm-hmm. And, and as that time went on, it was still providing enough value that I kept doing it, right? Like it was still... I still felt like I was getting more value than over going back to jQuery, right? So I, I still kept using it, but it wasn't getting me to that that Elysium that I wanted to get to, right? Like I just never made it to those fields, and and then you know Vue came out, and so what I what I was saying here is like I was like, oh sweet, it's a little bit of a different spin, but but it looks like really good. And then I just felt like it went down the same road that React went down, where it was just kind of like swallowing up my page. And and then stim- anyway, so then stimulus came out, and and I was like, this is actually the thing that I thought that I was getting all along. And so that's been my state of mind, and that's what I definitely have always tried to tell people is I feel like when we were first looking into frameworks, right back when Backbone and Angular One, which is completely different than Angular oh, Two, right, and Ember, like all came out, right, yeah. Like the entire thing that I remember people talking about was I just want to be able to write something once and plop it as a widget over everything. I felt like that was the predominant thing that we all wanted. And I just felt like I never got that. Like we, we kept trying different things, but we didn't get it for 10 years. And I felt like stimulus was sort of like the long prophesized thing. So like I, I do feel like you could consider me a little bit fanatical about it. And so I, I want to make sure that like, you know, I am admitting to this, right? But but I do really believe in it. So hopefully that explains that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but there are some. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I mean, we have shows on Angular, React, and Vue. I've played quite a bit with all of them. And I mean, what you're talking about, John, is effectively a big part of my issue with them is that yeah they they a want to manage everything 
and they don't necessarily need to. It means that I have to learn two technology stacks instead of one. And yeah, I mean, everything has to happen within the context of an Angular app or it won't work or a Vue app and it won't or it won't work. And so, yeah, there's this huge amount of setup that you have to do instead of just saying, I want that there and I want it to behave this way. You have to go do all the other setup. You have to, there's a whole lot of ceremony around a lot of this stuff that just I feel like is unnecessary that stimulus gets out of your way. It's it's interesting to me to see this progression more in in the point of view of a front end team, right? So people who aren't necessarily working with Rails or Ruby directly, uh, they may go in and, and modify some views, right? View component architecture from GitHub is definitely helped relieve a lot of the anxiety, I think, from front end teams in that way. And back end, right? Because the back end can test and the front end can still make changes without mm-hmm. too much of difficulty. So I'm kind of interested to see what your guys' thoughts are on where stimulus kind of fits into that front end realm and how easy you guys feel it would be for front end specific teams to come in and make changes to scenarios. And I was talking more specifically to scenarios that involve the turbo side or rail side where they have some conditional views or something like that that they would need to modify. Uh, Is that still straightforward or is there still some conflict there? I think it's the same problem that's persisted across the Rails community from the very beginning, right? Which is that we have our assets separated from our view folders. I do think the view components, uh, specifically the thing that like Google is taking care of, or I'm sorry, GitHub is taking care of right now, right? And actually, to to be frank, I actually talked with, gosh, I'm so terrible with names and I apologize, guys, but the guy that's taking care of you components or whatever, I Mm -hmm. talked with him actually at RubyConf. And there's a lot of, there's, how should I put this? There is positive belief that um, this actually could be a thing that, you know, becomes more supported by like Rails going forward. That's no guarantee of anything. I'm not promising anything, but there's definitely positive belief that, that it's moving forward. And I know that that conversation has been up and down over the past few years. But I do think that view, I agree with you that like, in my opinion, I, I don't think that I'm alone, like, especially it's super validating to hear you say it, right? That you like view components or whatever is kind of what I heard you just say. I also believe that view components are actually a phenomenal way to basically expose that to uh, front-end devs. I think it's awesome, and I kind of really hope that that we go that way as a, as a community whole, because I think that I don't just think it because I think it exposes to front-end devs. I think that that is a thing that will help backend devs like handle stuff a little bit better. And there's some good stimulus integration with view components. I don't, I, I know that there's some, there's some edge cases and things, and I don't know what the edge cases are like, for example, from like the, the view side, you know, for example, right? So I don't, I don't know what the edge cases that you run into are. I know that there's some edge cases around stimulus. I know that I was talking with Andrew Mason a while back and there's definitely some, uh, stimulus reflux edge cases with view components because they were having some trouble with that. They used view components very heavily. What was the ad place that they were working at or whatever? So, yep, they, they had like or a bunch fund. of view components over at Code Sponsor. They used it very heavily. So that's that's where I sit on that. Yeah, for me, that's I, I kind of really hope we go that way. Otherwise, we're left with the old thing, which is assets folder over here, whether that's in your you know Webpacker packs folder, yeah, right? JavaScript you know, or, or assets. Yeah. 
Yep. But it's still separated from your view folder, right, is the point. Yeah. Which, yeah. And that's separated from your helpers folder, which you we all kind of do a little bit of that mm-hmm. too. So that stuff being separated, I think is what you're getting at, right? Like that's that's always been a hassle for front end people. That at least that's the biggest complaint that I've always like kind of fielded from that direction. Yeah, I'll I'll just Go chime ahead. in because I I mean I've had a little bit different experience. So like I said, Jared set things up so that our stimulus controllers lived in the same folders as our HTML and CSS for our view components. Yeah, you said that. And so what you're talking about there, I mean, that was so nice because, yeah, everything kind of lived in the same place, which is actually what uh, Uncle Bob means by single responsibility principle. It's not that a class only has one job. What he said is, in the talks that I've seen him give, is that single responsibility principle means all the stuff that's likely to change at the same time is located in the same place. And so that, that really opens up a lot of possibilities there. And I'll put a link to Jared's articles where he actually explains how he set up stimulus that way. But the other thing is, is that as far as like front end developers being able to modify stuff and, you know, how user friendly is it for them? I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the front end developer really meant that you were kind of a glorified designer. And so I don't know. I mean, you know, nowadays you're not just managing CSS and a handful of jQuery plugins. You're actually managing something that actually looks at the the DOM and and manages the DOM, right? And it's a full library to manage the DOM, whereas, you know, stimulus isn't that, right? It, it manages only the parts of the DOM that you tell it to care about. And even then, it goes and looks at the DOM, right? Sets up the listeners that it needs and then just effectively reacts to it. So I don't know that you would even have front-end developers in the way we think about them today, right? I think I think you'd be going back to kind of the, Web the plug-in era. land. Yeah, well, and I mean, JavaScript and front-end have kind of evolved to the point where you could have front-end developers that mostly focus into stimulus, but I don't think their whole job would be managing that kind of stuff, right? They would be adding features and functionality and they would have more of the front-end stimulus bent to what they're doing within the context of a Rails or other web app, as opposed to all they do is focus on React and then coordinate with the backend folks when they need data or state. And so, I don't know. I mean, if you brought somebody in who had that full front end, and this was the debate we had over and over again at Morgan Stanley, was that the guy who was deep into React, he was going, well, what, what do I even do if we go with stimulus? And it's like, well, you write Ruby, and then you write JavaScript where you need it, just like we've been doing this whole time. And so it, I don't know, I mean, to that extent, it, it changes the way that you think about your team structure. But the flip side is, is that anybody who's familiar enough with the core concepts of web development, you know, whether you're talking HTML, CSS, JavaScript, things like that, I mean, none of it's mysterious, right? It's it's all right there in front of you. And it uses the same concepts, it just organizes them a little bit differently. And so uh a competent front-end developer would be able to pick up stimulus without too much trouble. I think that was I think the key thing halfway there answer. <laughs> is that you're shifting. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I, I think the key thing is you're shifting the work out of all of this React-specific work into, because you're going to basically render all this stuff server-side mm-hmm. using your ERB, whether you're using Hamel or Slim, whatever, it's still ERB under the hood, right? You're going to render almost everything using ERB, and then you're just going to have a lot more sprinkling rather than a huge app on the front end. Yep. 
on one of his blogs when they launched the Hot Words deck, uh, I think it was one of the Hay blogs, DHX is something very interesting, which was that the um, he felt like this framework was fundamentally more accessible to people around the world, especially with lower-powered mobile devices, because instead of running enormous amounts of JavaScript logic, running a um, SPA on their phone, which is often the only computing device they have, because this kind of heavy rendering being pushed dynamically over turbo to stimulus is much easier on the consumer's computing devices. Most people, especially in developing countries, went up much better user experience, which I thought was a, was a powerful argument for the overall approach. But it also helps get rid of JavaScript developers, as Chuck said. If there's less front-end <laughs> code to write, then there are less JavaScript developers on your team. So, you know, it, it, there are many, right. there are many, many benefits to the whole approach. Unfortunately, uh, I think oh, there gee. are too many JavaScript dependencies out there to, uh, <laughs> to eliminate the need for JavaScript developers. I, I think, I think the point, <laughs> I think though, it is, is there's a point here. Sorry, Chuck, yeah, I, I think if it is JavaScript emissions and your JavaScript footprint, you know, what can we do to reduce our JavaScript <laughs> footprint? You know, not just for us, but oh for everyone gosh. who uses our websites all oh. around the world. After all, we all breathe the same code. What is it, a greenhouse? I don't even know. Anyway, it's a pollutant in your code. I think one thing, though, that, <laughs> you know, that, Valentino, you're pointing out, you know, it's like with all the JavaScript dependencies and stuff like that, it's hard to get rid of front end devs or JavaScript devs. And I think that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? Is that it reduces complexity uh, within the application. Well, it's and this code duplication, Chuck. It's the code duplication. Yeah. You've got the same bit of code in Ruby as you've got in JavaScript and nearly all of these apps. So you're fine, you know, it's not whether they're JavaScript developers, it's that they're, they're, right. they're rewriting code to do front-end stuff that we've already written on the back end. Well, and that's a maintainability issue. Yes. It's back to it's back to this ultimate conversation, right? Where it's, you know, it's approachability, it's maintainability, it's things like that, right? If you have it in two places and it doesn't match, it's going to suck to maintain it, right? I mean, realistically, I mean, that that's my why we was, care. My goal is to dry my app and I yeah. made it more wet. You know, so I've got this giant node nodule, modules folder, in my app, right, that I've got to keep track of, right? And so hopefully, you know, stimulus eliminates a lot of that. That said, I mean, I've seen people that they they had a jQuery snarl in their app, and then they picked up a view or react or something, and it changed the maintainability and, and velocity of their app that way, right? Because it cleaned up a bunch of stuff. I mean, it, if, if you're if you're making it work with react, I'd Great, but no. In, in for all me, seriousness, then React is obviously a massive state forward on what what came before. Right, but as but, we're all developers here, we're all looking for that next thing. You know, you can't help mm-hmm. yourself, can you? You're sitting in front of it, you're thinking, you know what? If only I could do this. If I could only I could avoid doing that. You know, you just can't help yourself, right? So this this brings me to a uh, this is a good point, Luke, because it brings me to another kind of thing that I'm looking forward to kind of coming out of all this is the whole streaming ideology attaching streams to particular DOM elements for live updates. Right now, if you're using the default Puma web server, you know, you don't really get benefits of parallelism or sorry, concurrency of those streams attached and being able to do simultaneous connections kind of thing. Uh, Since it's not supported 
So I'm kind of curious what, what everybody thinks of the future of basically H, what is it? HTTP three or two? I, I forget what number we're on now. <laughs> but whatever adds to the, the bi-directional flow, right, of data, which which currently isn't supported. Right. Hold on, I feel like this is a question for our New Year's episode. What is the future of web future. development? And and then we'll then we'll have to give our answer. It's next. Ruby. Ruby is the future. <laughs> but but no, I mean, uh, yeah, I imagine I imagine that we'll all be using Falcon and Hotwired and uh, Falcon? you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fiber, I don't know. I'm the, just the one that uses the fiber because it's the new thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever. I, I, I'm kind of talking tongue in cheek here. Sorry. Um, there, I do think I do think that Falcon has promised that it, that it'll be better and that it has a potential to replace Puma. But so far, I don't think we're ready for that. But I, I do kind of, I, you know, I'm holding out hope. Right. I'm, I'm investing a, a little bit of money in it. Right. Uh, so I do think that I do think that. My thing about WebSockets, right? Okay, in general, right? Is that, so the idea of streaming, right? Like we're mostly solving that using WebSockets right now. WebSockets doesn't feel, I just don't feel like it's completely stabilized yet, if that makes sense, that we've completely decided this is the way it's going to be. It's usable, totally. Is it scalable? I guess. It seems (laughs) people are making it work. But yeah, I, I don't feel like it's stable. And I have a tendency to kind of, prefer technologies that look like they're they're about to be stable you know or about like i'm more of like a, a subtler type person right like i need to sort of see the promise and i kind of see promise but i don't have an app that makes sense with WebSockets currently so i haven't really spent a ton of time in that and i don't really see why i would add complexity to a simple web page right like I, I don't see the the value in using websockets to live update something that somebody's perfectly happy to refresh the page for right so i haven't pushed for that and the things that want live updates so far are perfectly happy to do polling so that's that's where i'm at right now i don't have a lot of impetus and so i'm kind of like sitting on the side and what and perfectly happy to watch everybody else do the gladiator fight on that particular aspect of your question <laughs> the piece that i care about right is the stimulus thing right so that's the thing that i found the most value in which is why i you know that's my dog in the fight if that makes sense so and i i've spent a ton of time explaining so that piece so focusing on the stimulus aspect of it part of me makes me wonder with hotwire whether or not they're trying to push toward a direction of a component that is fully contained to whatever it's attached to from the other side, right? So say you have a page of DHS is notorious for making a blog. So let's say it's a, a bunch of posts. And so you have a stream that's in the view that has a bunch of containers with the posts and all that data is pulled and streamed and attached to those components, right? From HTML over the wire to the, to those DOMs, right? So it makes me wonder if the whole point, <laughs> direction, if you will, is kind of the head toward a self-contained stream from the back end to the front end of, of a tie with, like, if, especially if view components become a thing, those view components tied to the data and then stream over with Turbo and it's fully attached to the front end to the back end. And as the page matriculates, kind of it can use the advantage of those 
streaming servers to do that independently of the actual page and waiting for things to happen and a more modular approach, which I think is what has attracted so many people to react, to view, to all these other frameworks where they've kind of built this more modular front end rendering system that does that, right? Have you seen the uh, DHH video on Rails 7, the release video, the demo one, where he, he builds a blog? He builds another blog, uh, but this time, this time it takes him 30 minutes, 33 minutes, in fact, instead of 15. And I just, I was watching, it's like, you know, you know, we're all getting older, aren't we? You know, what used to take me 15 minutes now <laughs> takes me 33. True. In all fairness, Rails does a, a hell of a lot more than it did back then. Yeah. But yes. So what my dad always um, used to say, I'm doing a lot more now. I I think that you're right, Valentino, though. Right? I think that Hotwired is is like basically like another stab. I think Hotwired is basically people not being happy with where React and Vue and all these guys have gotten and saying, let's try and stab at it again. I, I kind of agree. I mean, if you think about it, right? Like, what's what? What are the two main apps that we know that are out, coming out of Basecamp, right? Like, one's a chat app and one's an email app. Like, I can totally see this stuff making a lot of sense for them. You know, <laughs> I'm sure they love WebSockets over there. I guess what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. It's it's not necessarily a chat app. It's a productivity app, but. There's so much interactivity that goes in there, and there's so many people doing things in it. I guess it does have campfire in it too, doesn't it? Yeah, I was like, it has chat in it. Yeah, you're right. It has more stuff. I wasn't being fair, but yeah, but still, you know, I do want the like if if I'm on the page and somebody on my team does a thing, I definitely want the live update, right? I don't want it to. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. polling could conceivably be fast enough, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Polling has downsides, right? Yes. Like the thing is, is like uh, on every feature, you're you're deciding like what downsides you want to eat. Do I want <laughs> do I want complex websites, or am I just building this feature because you know like there's an exec that really wants this thing to be a live update, and there's literally two people in the entire company that are gonna like have this thing up on a page in the background, and you know what? Polling is a great way to get this feature out mm-hmm. the door when we have literally nothing in the app that needs WebSockets right now. And and it's not solving a bunch of people's I, problems, right? Like, so I used to think yeah, that. I'm happy to deliver a feature in that case <laughs> without WebSockets. I used to think that, John, but then I started looking at using server sent events instead of WebSockets for just like pushing down live updates. And mm-hmm. in my pick, which I will promote later, I do exactly that. Okay. And that, for me, solved a lot of the problems, especially if you have to deal with authentication of things, which WebSockets kind of turned me off. Because like you, I did a WebSockets thing, went, ugh, how horrible. But the SSEs beats polling for me, and I find it's even better than something like a long polling approach, which can give you that kind of real-time feel without building a whole proper streaming thing. And uh, yes, it's really quite easy to do. So I will, I will expound on that in my pick. And maybe after you see my incredibly elaborate SSE implementation, you will change your mind about polling. Speaking of picks, oh, oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I want to, I want to not do polling. Sorry, I wanted to make sure that I left, left that clear. 
Yeah, but I just, I've got to get back to work, so we do need to do picks soon. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Hey, thanks for Valentino very much for Devil's Advocating really, really hard for us today. Yeah, sure. No problem. I It's more that I just don't know much about it. <laughs> but, I mean, I think we got a lot of answers out today. I look forward to yeah, trying you, it out. You wore the hat well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely need more devils on this show. <laughs> Luke, do you want to start us off with picks? I do, and I'm going to pick my own code, which I just released just now, just for this episode. And this is a thing I wrote quite a while ago when I first started looking at Turbo and Stimulus. And it's a very much alternative approach to this whole stack. You can think of it as kind of a bit of a punk rock implementation. Uh, what it is, is a fairly complete implementation of the whole of the uh, the Turbo protocol in order to do two things. Firstly, server-side rendering. And secondly, pushed updates from the server, which I do using service and events. The meat of that, so it's basically free files, if that. The meat of it is in this idea of using the rack hijack, the rack hijack command, can't, can't find it. It's on it. It's to, to make the turbo stream, you can call rack.hijack and then set up a kind of an open SSE stream. And then you can have a thread running and push stuff down there. So what I use it for is like a ticking clock. So this clock ticking in the top right is not actually on JavaScript. It's actually coming from the server and it's pushing the HTML for the clock down every second. It's just a really kind of minimal thing that, to show, you know, how, how little, how little code you can have, how little complexity, how, how the smallest number of things you need to know in order to have that kind of single page app experience. But everything is indeed rendered on the server. So there we go. That's my pick is my own repository on, uh, GitLab, of course, you know, where all the cool kids hang out. And it's just a demo of using Sinatra, Turbo, and Stimulus to do this kind of um, server sent events and the Turbo protocol itself. Awesome. Valentino, what are your picks? So I have a few picks here. One is the Ruby Explorer. Very cool. RubyExplorer.xyz, where you can kind of see how Ruby is making sense of whatever Ruby you're giving it. And it extrapolates it out and lets you give compiler options to see the disassembled bits. Uh, it's pretty cool. I would check it out if you're kind of curious how Ruby gets built, things that are happening behind the scenes. Another one is obviously the RubyConf 2021 videos. They're on YouTube. Go check them out. A lot of great content. I myself am digging through video by video, catching up from the conference. And then the last one is... Uh, you can't see it because I'm on audio, but I made this little NeoPixel light bar, which is pretty sweet thanks to a kind of tutorial I found online that lets me get a few potentiometers on it and I can uh, control the various different red and green and blue lights on it to uh, make some kind of fun macro photography scenes so that's something i built recently and you know for side projects that you have going on you don't get to finish them often so i thought i'd share i'll post a link to kind of a fun video breakdown that i went through building it it's a lot of fun cool john what are your picks nice yes my wife brought the cat up 
So so now my my baby was okay with with leaving me to go chase after the cat. <laughs> Poor cat. I know our cat's so good with it too. So I have two picks. So the first one kind of came up in the show. So I don't know, Valentino. Did you? Okay, so you put the awesome stimulus in there. All right. So I'll I'll put both of these in here. So the place where I've been getting a lot of a lot of stimulus components from has been stimulus components dot net dot app or whatever and they're all like some pretty generic components i've extended a lot of them uh the only one that i really haven't needed to uh extend is their uh, i believe it's reveal controller which is basically like their collapsible kind of idea that one's really the only one that i haven't really needed to extend because that just like works and it's great but yeah so this has been pretty awesome i've gotten a number of components out of here that i've like played with tweaked used for my own ends or whatever the only thing that they're like i feel like that they're missing that i've used on multiple apps now is sort of like a form controller but i also haven't like found like the pattern i've sort of i've gotten to the point where i like have kind of standardized the pattern so that maybe that's just a really hard one i don't know and maybe somebody knows of a form stimulus controller that i don't but so i'll link that that's one and then my second pick is I literally just found out about this two days ago and I'm completely stoked. So I have I have recommended Calendly like multiple times because it's awesome and it makes my life easier. <laughs> and it's just awesome. But apparently there's a open source kind of I don't know if it's a clone exactly, but it's it's open source Calendly is how they advertise themselves. Except that there's a slight thing, which is a feature that maybe Calendly has and I just don't know it has, but it's like a thing that I always wanted, which is like, I want to basically say, hey, here's a bunch of people, like, let's let's get all of their schedules together, which is not exactly how Calendly works, because I send my link to you, and so you're looking at my calendar, right? I guess I could subscribe to like a bunch of people's calendars, but there's there's like a limit on that. But yeah, that that seems to be a super cool feature. So I haven't gotten to like play with this in real life, but I am like so hella stoked. And I literally just learned about it like two days ago. It's called Cal.com. So I'll, I'll put that in there too. Awesome. I'm going to throw in a few picks of my own here. Uh, first of all, I'm going to pick the View Component Stimulus uh, post by Jared Reed. That's kind of how I've gotten my uh, View Components and Stimulus stuff set up. So I'm I'm really, really liking that. And that's how we did things in, at the division I was in, Mark Stanley. I've also been doing a bunch of stuff with Okta lately, uh, which is an authentication system kind of like Auth0. And yeah, I'm liking them too. So I'm going to pick them. For board games, what do I want to pick for board games? I, I should have thought about this beforehand. I didn't. I want to pick one that I haven't picked before. I guess I'll go with God's Love Dinosaurs. I, I don't think I've picked that one on here. So it's it's a relatively simple game. It's something you can play with your kids. And effectively what it is, is you have like predators, prey and dinosaurs. And so you have your dinosaurs and, you know, the other players have their dinosaurs. And anyway, what you wind up doing is you wind up breeding the dinosaurs by having the dinosaurs eat the predators and the predators eat the prey. And so you're you you do things to, you know, generate more prey and then generate more predators. And then your dinosaurs, when you when it's time for the dinosaurs to walk around, you have the dinosaurs walk around and eat. Anyway, it's it's way fun. It's a fun game. And like I said, it's relatively simple. The kids, I think down to like seven or eight could probably pick it up and be able to play it. I think my six year old could play it with some help. So it's not that complicated, but it's 
it's fun and there's enough to it to where, yeah, you could sit down with adults and play it and enjoy it. So I'm going to pick that. If I have picked that one before, I'm going to throw another one out here. And this one's kind of a family favorite at my house is uh, King of Tokyo. It's another relatively simple one that play with the kids. It's a dice game. And yeah, you roll the dice and you can either heal, attack or get points with what you roll or get energy and the energy gets you cards and the cards give you special abilities. And then you get points for being in Tokyo. And if you're in Tokyo, you attack everyone outside of Tokyo. And it, But you also get attacked by everyone outside of Tokyo when they attack. And there are rules for going into and coming out of Tokyo. With up to four players, only one person can be in Tokyo at a time. And with five or six players, at least in the version I have, you can uh, have two people in Tokyo. And while you're in Tokyo, you cannot heal your monster. So if, if you get hit too many times and you don't heal, you're dead. And so you either want to be the last monster standing or get 20 points. And that's how you win. And it's it's a lot of fun. This is another one that the little kids can play. Sometimes they need a little bit of help because the rules on the cards get a little bit complicated. But you just help them figure out what it means and then you kind of push them through. One last thing that I'm going to pick before I mention top end devs is I've had about three or four conversations with different friends this week that are just struggling with life, right? Just had stuff go on. Some of it they brought on themselves, some of them not so much. Some of it's kind of a combination of their choices and other people's choices. But I just want to pick a couple of, or just shout out a couple of things. And one is, is just, let's all be understanding regarding each other, right? Some folks, yeah, you know, they, they do things for reasons that you just don't understand. And you just never know what people are going through. So even if you don't necessarily like what they did, you can still extend a little bit of compassion and and support and without condoning necessarily the bad behavior. But the other thing is, is that I think a lot of people are feeling isolated right now. And so just reach out to a few people that you haven't heard from in a while, especially people that you know don't have a strong support system, right? I mean, I kind of enjoy a bit of a support system because I live in Utah and eight of my nine brothers and sisters live here. My mom lives here. My in-laws live here. I'm married. I have five kids and they're all nice to me most of the time, except for my 12-year-old when I ask her to clean up. But so so I enjoy a bit of that support, but I'm realizing that some of these other folks, you know, they don't have a significant, significant other. They don't live near uh, friends or family that they can go rely on that way. They don't have a strong church group that they can go rely on like I do. And so just be there for some of these people. Just recognize that, hey, look, you know, life, hard life happens to people and they may just need you to reach out. And then I do want to shout out about top end devs. I did end up extending the pre-sale through the end of the year, just trying to get all that stuff together and get it all hammered out. So definitely go check it out. By the time this goes live, you should be able to get into the the community forum and the Slack group and start connecting with each other. And we should have content going out on the premium channels. So it's not going to be like fully baked the way I want, but it'll be working. So go sign up. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to helping folks with that stuff. That's at topendevs.com. I should probably just put up a discount code if it's past the past the pre-sale. If you use the code Ruby Rogues, you'll get 10%. How's that? Ruby Rogues, all one word, all uppercase, you get 10% off. Ultimately, and I'm probably going to put out a bonus episode next week and just talk through what I'm putting together because it's a little bit different from sort of your community slash learning website. I, I really have a direct idea of what you need to be doing to be successful in your career. And what I'm trying to put together is 
basically all the tools you need in order to do that, right? So kind of where, what do you dream your career could go? What kinds of things would make you happy? And then, hey, here are the, you know, five or six things you ought to be doing on a regular basis to get there, right? So anyway, keep an eye out for that. And Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll go ahead and wrap up. And until next time, Max out. <laughs>